The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. The Snake. Written by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagger. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Dominic Verdigree told himself for about the tenth time. This was, of course, no compensation for the fact that he was doing a servant's work right now. Washing dishes? Didn't the wretched woman have a dishwasher? She was one of the founding metas of Echo. Couldn't this stupid facility be bothered to give her a freaking dishwasher? He would have managed all this much better if he had been in charge. On the other hand, their lack of common kitchen appliances was apparently matched by the lack of oversight when it came to their tenants, because he'd been able to have Dixie Bell's usual maid quietly put away last night and had slipped in wearing a holographic disguise as her, without any effort at all. While he scrubbed, she sat in the living room with some dog-eared book and one of those maddening news-talk radio shows filling the quiet. The woman couldn't even occupy herself with soap operas and knitting like a normal geriatric. She hadn't said much to him all afternoon, other than a greeting at the door and an indication of the work in the kitchen. So when she finally called from her seat, he realized that the opportunity might finally present itself. Millie, could you bring in my tea when you finish? She leaned forward and smiled toward the kitchen. No rush, of course. He bobbed his head in feigned deference. Yes, ma'am, he drawled. The vocal synthesizer matched the brief selection of speech he'd recorded in the moments before dear Millie's departure. Just a minute. The electric kettle might have been the only nod to real convenience on the woman's counter. A container with the words, Time for Tea, contained what he needed, and he put together the elderly Meta's last request— he didn't need to do any more to the drink, as such base methods of poison were beneath someone of his intellect and resources. Interactions made toxicologists suspicious. Here we go. Dominic scurried over to the chair, teacup on saucer. And the cup and saucer fell from his hand, dropping to the carpet and bouncing, as the elderly woman seized his wrist in a grip of iron. Who are you? she asked calmly. And what do you want? The hand crushed his wrist, and he remembered in rising panic that Dixie Bell had been, and apparently still was, possessed of superior strength. I knew you weren't Millie the minute you walked in the door, but I had to be absolutely sure. Millie would never have served me anything but sweet tea. Now who are you? In a panic, Dom shoved his hand in his pocket and came out with a hypospray. Before the old woman could react, he jammed it against the side of her neck and emptied the contents, more than enough to kill a dozen elderly metas, even if they'd had hyperacute resistance to drugs and poisons. The combination took effect almost instantly. The hand on his wrist relaxed and let go as Dixie Bell collapsed against the back of the sofa. A moment or two more, and it was over. Still in a panic, Dom fled the scene. It looked natural enough. She could have been drinking her goddamn tea when the heart attack took her. He didn't want to spend another moment in that cursed house. 
Thank God he'd been wearing form-fitting fake hands with Millie's fingerprints on them. I am never doing wet work again, he swore as he got into Millie's beater of a Chrysler and it chugged away. Why in the hell couldn't Kanji have been available? Then he remembered. He'd sent her to take care of something in Seattle. Damn it. I need better help. The flicker of red and blue lights broke apart into a million tiny fragments against the pale yellow walls of his mother's kitchen. They complemented the patriotic decorations, white stars on a field of blue that provided a backdrop for dozens of framed photographs. Some in restored color, others in black and white, they told the story of the woman who had risen above so much in her service to her country and to Echo. Some had nothing to do with the moniker the media had given her during wartime, a name meant to embrace the Hollywood starlet persona of a willowy blonde woman with blue eyes. They showed a long-legged teenager with tight curls and dark brown skin, her eyes full of laughter as she stood with a group of airmen from Tuskegee, Alabama. That was her third favorite picture, she liked to tell people. Third, because his godfather Benny was in the picture. Third, because her second favorite was the picture they took of a handsome Meta in red, white, and blue standing off to the side in perfect salute to them, and who insisted on saluting until the ranking airman in the group dismissed him. Third, because she always said that her favorite was of him on the day he officially joined Echo. Ramona placed a hand on Pride's shoulder as he sat at his mother's modest kitchen table. His tea sat cold and untouched. Large calloused hands trembled against the blue and yellow placemats. He flinched at her touch, then dropped his chin to his chest and closed his eyes. She didn't need to be an empath to feel the grief that rolled off of him in waves. He had wept in silence as she drove him and Gilead to the gated community. They had met Blaze at the front door, her own tears soundless as she leaned against one of the nurses for support. Ramona had left Miss Everett to explain the details to Pride, while she and Gilead had gone to speak with the police. I was supposed to see you yesterday. Pride's voice cracked. Didn't come by, though. We had that push on the southeast side, so I told Willa Jean to let her know I'd be back today for tea. He let out a long, shuddering breath and shook his head from side to side. I should have been here yesterday. Ramona struggled to say something, but her vision blurred and her chest ached. Unable to speak, she wrapped both arms around his shoulders and rested her cheek on his head. Both of us, she managed in a whisper. Your mom was amazing. Pride nodded choking on whatever he wanted to say before simply nodding his head and giving himself over to his loss. She held him and gave herself permission to cry. There might not be time for that catharsis once Gilead emerged from her conversation with the coroner. As terrible as she knew it to be, Ramona wished for a heart attack or a stroke to have taken Dixie Bell from them. Something quick, something that would have kept Echo's matriarch from suffering. The attending officers allowed them their space and kept their voices to respectful whispers in the bedroom. Pride swallowed back some of his tears and started to stand. Ramona stood with him, ready to keep him from trying to follow Gilead, but he shook his head and motioned to the door. I need to check on Willie Jean, see what she knows. We'll see if she needs anything. 
Ramona nodded and wiped her face with her sleeve. Pride wouldn't cry in front of his niece, but he would make time to grieve properly later. All right. When do you want to know what we find out? He pressed his lips together, his eyes tracking the plainclothes detective who emerged from the room with a phone pressed to his ear. Later. Give Parker the details, let her decide how to manage them. He gave Ramona a sad smile. Standard protocol with family members, ma'am. You know the rest. She nodded. One of the officers fell into step next to him, offering his condolences in a whisper and escorting him to the main office. Ramona waited until they turned the corner before entering the living room. Familiar and unpleasant smells met her nose, her gorge rising before a cool hand pressed two fingers to the inside of her wrist. The sensation subsided, a hint of eucalyptus and mint hanging in the air in front of her nose. Gilead let go and folded her arms across her chest in cool examination of the scene. The Echo Doctor had nearly twenty years on Ramona and all of the battle-tested experience to go with it. She inclined her head toward the group near the sofa. They wanted to wait for him to leave before they brought in homicide. The entire staff has been questioned, except for the one who usually came in for lighthouse keeping. They've got the local law enforcement looking for her. That group will run their own toxicology panels and report what they find, and I convinced them to look the other way while I got a sample. Four. Ramona closed her fingers around the plastic bag without understanding what to do next. The doctor pursed her lips in mild annoyance. Back up. You, of all people, should appreciate that. Officially, they'll rule it as a heart attack. I don't like spreading lies, but considering the circumstances... It lets her pass in dignity, Ramona finished. Her throat felt tight again, and she blinked back tears. That works. See what else you can get from the group here, okay? She didn't wait for Gilead to agree before heading for the front door. Others would handle the detective responsibilities. She had to speak with the head of Echo. Bella and Spin Doctor agreed that the best response involved an immediate statement that did not include Yankee pride. The smooth public relations meta didn't leave a dry eye in the press room when he left, Ramona at his side with a wad of tissues in one hand. She slid into the waiting car and let out a long breath. Tears threatened to roll down her cheeks again, but she drew her lower lip between her teeth and let her body sag against the seat. Spin buckled in next to her and brushed the front of his tailored suit. In the driver's seat, Panacea offered her a sympathetic look and pulled out past a small crowd of waiting reporters. That won't be the last, I'm afraid. We're going to have to have a public memorial, something within the week. He produced a sleek tablet from an inside pocket and started consulting the screen. We'll need to coordinate with the city, a few of the hotels. You'll need to speak with our Russian comrades to see if they'll want to send over any of their representatives from Moscow. Even though the dedication had a disastrous outcome, we did perfect the logistics of contacting our Echo Legacy members. Ramona could barely string three words together without crying, and the man next to her was coordinating travel arrangements for no fewer than three dozen people like it was just another conference. Spin! she choked out. Slow down! He didn't respond, but tapped at the screen and studied whatever appeared. The car turned on Peachtree and headed for the Echo Campus. They'll expect Pride to talk, possibly give the eulogy. Considering her service to the country, we might have to coordinate with Shreves's people. Better to have them for security than Blacksnake, that's for sure. 
More tapping. Might create a problem with the Russians, but I'm sure we can work that out. Spin! For a brief moment, her eyes burned and her throat tightened. The woman is dead, probably murdered in her own home, and you're acting like it's some social event. Spin Doctor stopped his frantic tapping and glanced out the car window. The Atlanta city traffic crawled past them, the midday rush made worse by the broken streets and destruction corridors. He let out a long sigh and rested both hands in his lap. That's exactly what it is, for everyone but Pride, Blaze, and their close family. We're looking at the death of a legacy, but we're also looking at an opportunity to bring this city together. After the fall of Metis and the rise of the Thulians, the people of Atlanta... He shook his head. Not just Atlanta, but the entire nation, even the world. They're losing faith in us. Forgetting what Echo and similar organizations could do and how they contributed during wartime. Ramona opened and closed her mouth, unsure if she could respond with something calm and logical. Turning Dixie Bell's memorial into an opportunity to improve the image of Echo felt disrespectful, even dirty. And she didn't want any part of it. She folded her arms across her chest and focused on the stream of cars traveling into the city. So, you think, they think, that we've failed the city, and our only chance for recovery is some grotesque media spectacle? He winced at her words. Not how I would put it. You're just exploiting what she is, the same way they did when she first joined Echo. She pointed at his tablet. You'll invite half the city and make Pride talk about his mother just to show that there's some unity within the organization so the people can trust us again. Not quite. Spin consulted his tablet one more time before slipping it into his pocket and turning to face Ramona. He rested his elbows on his knees, perfectly manicured fingers folded before he spoke. You're right that I'm planning a public memorial. Miss Dixie Bell was a legend in the organization, and her contributions had a lasting impact even in the present day. To not set aside time and resources to celebrate her memory would be suspicious, and potentially disrespectful in the eyes of the public. Ramona deflated, and her arms slipped down to her side. He was right. This wasn't an extension of any metahuman ability, but the simple and difficult truth. Eyes closed, she let her chin rest against her chest. Trying to talk made the inside of her throat ache, but she made the words come out in spite of the pain. So, you plan the funeral, and we send the invitations. We get our people and Shreves' people to provide security, and we bring out the best of Echo to honor the matriarch. Spen acknowledged her assessment with a single nod, and the pair rode in silence the rest of the way to the Echo campus. At some point, Ramona closed her eyes. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Narration and production by Veronica Jaguer at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. 
The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.